Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Serenity. The movie. 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 The they The movie. The movie. The movie. The movie. The movie. The movie. The is that Firefly? Is it? Is it? Is it? I think it is. It is a bit. When I said I want to do a Firefly podcast, I really just want to talk about this movie. That's the problem. Well, we thought, here's a good idea. Let's start with a little TV series, cut our teeth, do that, then we'll move on to our sci-fi movie podcast. But I just want to talk about this movie. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Luke. Welcome to our Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Hi, I'm Shen. I sometimes talk. Mm, she may be talking some. But uh, we're here today to, to, to just cut to the chase, go straight to the movie. Cut the foreplay, let's get to the fucking It's Serenity. We rocked on right through that Universal logo, but uh, where did you first see Serenity? Did you see it before Firefly or after? I'm pretty sure I saw it before Firefly. It was in the time when I lived with my parents, and sometimes my uncle would just send us dodgy DVD copies he'd made. And I don't think we even knew it was a TV show. We were just like, oh, here's a film about spaceships. We'll watch that. You watched it cold. That's amazing. So I, I um, you know, I heard Firefly was a thing. I, I think I was in Japan when it actually aired. Was it 2002? Maybe. The film was 2005. Oh, uh, okay. So when, so when the TV show was on, I was actually working, like, outdoors. So I was, like, way off the grid and stuff. I was working with hippies. But I did know enough to... Oh, this show's supposed to be good. I ordered the DVDs. I did watch the entire show before seeing the movie, and uh, my dad and I went off to see it on opening night because I did like the show. I saw the movie. I loved it, and I think I didn't watch the show again until you and I thought about doing that as a podcast, but now we're here. So, yeah, when we were watching the show, we were watch- I was watching it because I was like, okay, I need to watch it for the podcast. Watching the film has now made me actually want to go and watch the show. But then you watch the show and you want to go to the film again. Yeah, That's the, the film problem. is very good. It's, it's, it's what we're of, getting at. It's like an endless loop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is so good, I need more. And you go and you get more. And, and it is good, but it's, it's not quite the movie. The way you described it was that, to you, the TV show feels like preamble to the movie. Yeah, it's like, like the, the... TV show is the prequel. Or it's like the couple off. title cards you have before. Yeah. And, and then you get into it. But... um. Production-wise, this is a weird one. Uh, this is a sort of proto-version of the uh, Futurama Family Guy thing, right? You're going to have to explain your thought process there. I'm just saying when this film came out, TV shows that were dead never came back. Right. Maybe they came back as movies, which this one does. 
but it, it has the full DNA of the TV show. Star Trek was quite different once it made it to the movie. Yeah, yeah, Star Trek was cancelled, and it was, a, a, a long time before it came <laughs> back, and B, very, like you say, very different. But this is straight up the TV show dragged kicking and screaming to the movie screen, where it actually has a very nice time. But uh, my, my point is, a few years later, uh, you got Futurama, Family Guy, Arrested Development. They actually did come back as TV series, which right. was unheard of at this time. And this is on the cusp. Like a year later, we would have gotten Firefly season two. But as it was in 2005, we got Serenity. I think I prefer this to what a TV show would have been. You're, you're probably right. I'll, I'll go on a few notes on my season two of Firefly at some point, but... Uh, well, we'll have to get in the movie before that. A- anything else you want to get to about uh, Joss Wheaton's trajectory or anything? Because I, I honestly, I know there's something to say about it, but I don't have much to say about it. Movie-wise, he did this, the this first is, two Avengers. This is his first directing. Has he done anything other than those three films? I'm not sure. Because if those are his only three, this is by far his best. Hmm... I'm going to have to put this in Avengers on a balancing beam, but uh, sure. I love Avengers up till the last 20 minutes. And then it is just, once they are the Avengers, they're just walking through paper enemies and it just loses all tension and excitement. And You're drama. right, but uh, I fanboyed through that. But this movie doesn't make I you fan- fanboy through all of it. So no, that, exactly. that your this, point I, is taken. I also fanboyed for Avengers the first, I think I screamed in the cinema, which you <laughs> don't do in the UK. But... This film, on a second watch, works as a film in a way that Avengers, I don't think, is great cinema. I, I screamed in Spider-Man Far From Home, though, and you told me to shut up. It's because you were very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in Japan. And if people don't talk in the cinema in the UK, they really don't in Japan. <laughs> I get dirty looks for laughing at the jokes. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll MC you at some point, but uh, we're, we're going to go a little more old school Joss Whedon, and let's talk about the plot of this movie. Fire... F- fuck. Serenity. <laughs> Th- that was an intentional fuck-up, by the way. That wasn't clear? You thought it was a real fuck-up? Yeah. Oh, that was... I I did that fully intentionally. Sure, okay, yeah, right. You can believe me or not, but I know (laughs) what the truth is. The future. Humanity has left our dying Earth to inhabit a new solar system with many habitable planets and moons. And on one of these, River Tam is being mind-controlled through scientific hullabaloo until her brother shows up under cover of a big shot to break her out. But all of this is a past illusion perused by an operative of the Alliance who wants to bring River back in. Meanwhile, that old ship from the TV show Firefly, named Serenity, is flying on most of its cylinders under the supervision of Captain Mal Reynolds. This crew of rascals is hired for a bank heist and has decided to bring River along, now part of its crew, with her brother, Good thing they brought her along as the cannibalistic Reavers decide to make a visit into this bank heist. 
Serenity's crew try to save as many as they can, but Mal has to shoot a man in cold blood, and they do not get their bounty. It's time for River and her brother Doc to leave the crew while Serenity works out their next job. Things seem fine and dandy, until River gets MK Ultra triggered and goes full Matrix. Yes, it's time to find a safe harbor. They find that at Haven and get to hang out with series regular Shepard Brock as Serenity's crew searches for the truth. In the meantime, creepy hacker Mr. Universe spells out the situation with them. River's proximity to higher-up officials in the Alliance means that she has knowledge of all the horrible conspiracies that that government has been involved in, especially Miranda and that Alliance has done everything it can to give Serenity grief, including blowing holes into Shepherd Brooks Haven and anything else that looks like a place Serenity may fly to. There is no more Haven as Book spits out blood in his death rattle. Captain Mal has had enough. Serenity is going to glue a bunch of dead bodies and war paint onto its hull to fool those cannibalistic reavers. That's because they'll be close as they fly through Reaver territory to reach the planet Miranda, which they now know is a planet that is not on the map. And why is it not on the map? We'll find out when we get there. What is there? Mostly people who died of chemically induced boredom, but not that 10% who went nuts and became cannibalistic Reavers. There's only one way to get that truth out, and that's through the network of that aforementioned rapscallion hacker, Mr. Universe. Well, the Alliance is not going to make reaching Mr. Universe easy, not with the fleet of indiscriminate reavers that just followed the Serenity in hot pursuit. Through a wild battle, Serenity makes it to the surface of Mr. Universe's planet without anyone following them down. But upon landing, a metal spike has it in for our beloved pilot, Wash. The Washless crew prepares to go Colonial Marine on the approaching Reavers, while Mal goes down to have a chat with Mr. Universe. But he cannot have that chat, as the Alliance operative has already landed, killed Mr. Universe, and brought a sword into a knife fight. Lots of violent hijinks ensue, but the besieged upper crew hold the line against the Reavers, especially at the point when River bounces into a group of Reavers as a fully loaded Matrix ass-kicker. At the same time, the operative pummels Mal until he doesn't which gives Mal the chance to intergalactically send out all the information regarding Miranda and the Reavers. In the end, it turns out even the operative gets it, as he scurries off to whatever further adventures an elite on the run may have. Serenity flies off with its new pilot, River, to all those amazing planets in situations which we wished we had seen in season two of Firefly.
I didn't even realize how plot heavy this thing was. Not even writing my summary until I had to like read the summary. If you would describe the Reavers in one word, what would it be? It seems cannibalistic. I thought it might be that, yeah. I, I did that like, what, three times? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you did it once at two, two ends of the same sentence. Well, it's because, you know, there's the Reavers from X-Men. They don't, they don't eat people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anything entertaining, amusing, something askew from the series that you want to point out here? I think I spotted in your notes, you said, you know what would make a good pilot? This. Yeah, I, I think uh, you and I like argued in our unfortunately deleted Bite Me episode with the train job that you thought that was a better intro than the pilot. And I was mm. like, I, I just don't see that. Now, here in the movie, they do it even shorter and even better. Where yeah. Maybe I'm going to go ahead and agree. Yeah, <laughs> it's I think because everything had to fit in the space of a movie forced Joss Whedon to be economical and you just very quickly... All the characters are introduced, the ship is introduced, the situation is introduced, just with one or two lines from each person. Bang, done. I mean, that's better. Yeah, they had a few, uh, you know, Inara wasn't there, Shepard wasn't there, so there's a few fewer people you have to do that with, but uh, still, very efficient. Slow clap. It's going to be horrible for anyone listening, Matt. Especially on headphones, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we start this movie off in River's classroom. I don't quite... Did this classroom exist? I don't know. It, it existed for me, and it existed in an obscure uh, musical called Lost Horizon. Great book, great movie from the 30s. Terrible music from the 70s with fantastic score by Burt Bacharach. But uh, the idea was there was these enlightened people who would, you know, teach their children and raise them as an elite, amazing, you know, wunderkind. So I, I sort of caught that vibe here. Yeah, it, or also there's the, uh, the weird learning pods from the 2009 Star Trek that the Vulcans are in. Oh, those are cool. I want to get in one of those. I always think of those when the kids at work are sat doing those, like, weird math programs on the iPads. <laughs> That's right, but... Uh, I hope if I am in one of those weird pods not to get instantly ripped out into a um, experimental mind control experiment. <laughs> yes, so then I definitely... I want to rephrase that. Experimental mind control fiasco. Okay, there you go. Not a cannibalistic mind control cannibal. There's no cannibals here. That comes <laughs> later. Here we're in a fiasco. So in the, when the TV show when Simon was like describing Rescuing River... I didn't get the impression that he did it himself like a kind of action man. <laughs> I just imagined he, like, sat on the spaceship while some mercenaries did it for him, sort of thing. No, I, I, I liked seeing him. I liked I, it. I, I got the same impression, but I did like seeing him hands-on. Yeah. I also noticed in the, in the foray that follows, River got, like, this little blood splotch on her, her third eye or bendy dot, and I, I just wondered if they were going for a bit of symbolism there. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Also... They were sticking it right through a skull? <laughs> like, damn. Hey, the direct method. Yeah, okay. Matrix goes through, you know, that what, whatever is in the back of your neck. Yeah, your little, your little <laughs> like, USB hey, port. Just take the straight in shot. That's cool. Uh, the whole escape did make me think a little bit of the uh, fifth element. <laughs> okay. Just the, I don't know, sci-fi run and then the, you know, super... Evolved cityscape. 
Yeah, kind of. Dropping through large um, drops. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to give me a better word there, but you didn't. <laughs> Tubes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the hyper tube. Falling through the hyper tube. There we go. Okay, then. But yeah, all of this is just a VR being watched by the operative, a new character. Do you want to comment on our new character? He is a pretty perfect foil for now, I thought. Because you've got the rough and ready cowboy, you know, fast talking, fast shooting action guy. And then he's so calm and collected and soft spoken. It's kind of like Mal, like, he, 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 knows, he knows exactly what he is, but it, he doesn't want to be it. Where the operative knows what to be, but he doesn't know what he is. Yeah, I can see that. Just to, to you know, I, I hope that supports your your uh, Yeah, because they concept. kind of both go on the arc of, by the end, Mal has accepted who he, that he should be this person and do something heroic. Decided that he doesn't want to be the kind of hero he thought he was. Jumping way to the end of my notes, um, let's just say at the movie, at the end of the movie, him and Mal have a conversation. I was like, man, what if the operative just climbed aboard and was like your replacement for Wash in season two? That would have been... That would have been... That, I could have actually have imagined that happening if this was a TV That could have rolled. Yeah. That could have rolled. The point is that we don't just get a generic mustache-twirling bad guy in this movie. We get a really good villain. But that was one thing that I said about the TV series as well. They never, even though the Alliance did some bad shit, they never were like, here are our bad guys. But this guy does the worst shit. You and yet, get... somehow still seems like he doesn't think he's a bad guy. He redefines the murder-suicide, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that one point where he does say that, what was it? He says, I am a monster. Yeah, he says, he, he understands he is a monster and he is not the hero. But at the same time, I don't think he really understands that he's not working for the good side. Yeah, in his head, he's doing terrible things for a good cause. And then I guess what he has to learn is that the cause he's fighting for is not all that good. Exactly. But uh, yeah, anyway, I, I just wanted to bring up that murder-suicide because that is the most cold-blooded thing I've seen in a movie. <laughs> you can yeah. release a few rounds into someone's chest. You can convince him of the truth. But this guy's just like... Whack, here's your uh, pressure point. Uh, I'm in control. You're about to kill yourself. <laughs> yep. But, like, again, it works because you know that in his head he's doing something good for them. This he's is a good like, death. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an inspirational murder speech. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I was... So, this actor has been in all kinds of good shit. He's the... He was Mordo in Doctor Strange. Okay, hit me up because I was thinking this while watching it. I didn't bother to look it up, even Main though I definitely... dude in 12 Years a Slave. Okay. Um, he was in <laughs> All Time Masterpiece 2012. <laughs> I think that is an All Time Masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it does suck, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, he was in Love, Love Actually, I think. I'm forgetting all the good films he was in now. I'm just saying girl. he was in lots of good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, the main thing I recognized him from when I was watching it was Doctor Strange. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I definitely saw his face. I'm like, didn't quite make the connection. But Oh, he also was a voice in Nomeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you only said the dumb gonna, ones have stood out to You me. said you are going to try and get us something good here. But uh, let's move on to our rollicking... Serenity. We just got to say Serenity now. It's a Firefly class ship, but we're not going to speak that word. Nope. Do they? 
I'm the film? thinking they don't. I don't but, remember uh, hearing it. I think maybe one of the cops says like, oh, they're in a firefly class, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, but yeah, not much. But they're, they're rolling on down to the planet for an old school uh, train heist. So this is the bit we were referring to just now when we talked about a pilot. Yeah. Just banging, here's the crew, they're on an adventure. And it's a very clear one. They're making a bank heist to make some money. Yep, but then even as they're doing that, you get little character moments. They're not all bad. I might have, I might have. We crashing again? That's a good one. <laughs> oh, the steampunk goggles. Yes. I clapped again. Sorry, everyone with headphones. <laughs> <laughs> steampunk goggles. Is, is, is Serenity an airship? Sometimes. Is it steampunk? No. No, it has the goggles, but Serenity's not steampunk. You, know, you got to have a sail on your airship. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, you also got to have steam. No, you just need a sail, I think. Okay, you don't need steam. <laughs> but they don't have a sail. So uh, they are taking River down, who uh, goes the most river she's ever gone down on the planet. This is very... Again, watching the TV show, you expect more of this, but it's all in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why the film... Uh, excuse me. The TV show is rather prologue to me. What, were you, what are you referring to when you say she goes very river? She has her insight. She's the one that uh, is a, uh, you know, advance alert for the Reavers. Yeah, she spots the guy pulling out the gun. She's never that loose in the TV show. And then show. she knows the Reavers are coming, yeah. Well, but they make a point. This is their first time bringing her on a job. Right. <laughs> so this presumably is the first time that she's been lucid enough that they think they can actually use her abilities. But uh, let, let me just, uh, on a side, I want to get into my, my fashion police. We're going we're gonna to do Logan's run soon, and... Um, Doc has switched from his Han Solo vest to a Sandman Logan's Run sort of vibe. I was watching the film <laughs> thinking Matt is going to comment on the Doc's outfit, so I'm very glad. Yes, of course, you know this. Now, did we also note on the fact that River doesn't wear shoes for the first half here? Yes. <laughs> She's going to get glass in her feet. She's strolling no, through a bar. I immediately just turned to Shen like, <sighs> so here immediately is... Very long, fetishy shot of the feet of a character who is supposedly 17. Get her some Birkenstocks. She, you can still see the feet. And like last time, it was a full naked body shot when she was supposed to be like 16. So. Joss Whedon is maturing. <laughs> slowly, slowly. Is he? It's a bit of the, I'm getting older, but they're staying the same age. <laughs> hey, there's no feet in Avengers, I think. Yeah, there is. There's a whole bit with Black Widow. I haven't watched it for a while, and I was about to say... I, I was going to ask you, am I wrong about Black Widow? So yeah. you, you just answered that I'm pretty for me. sure she's barefoot in that bit when she's been <laughs> interrogated and she escapes. Because that was when I first found people mentioned in the whole Joss Whedon feet thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, on the planet, we're, we're getting to some real danger. This show... Not the show. This movie gets into some real danger that the uh, show does not. I mean, the stakes did not go this high for the most part. Do we ever see the Reavers attack somewhere? There's we sort of see their ships and they escape, stuff like that. There's one... We, we, we obviously didn't watch the whole show because we're here, but <laughs> I believe there is one legitimate Reaver uh, boarding in the right. show. But still, just not with the cinematic qualities we get here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so and again, we get to see our crew being a bit more heroic than the pure criminals they appear yeah. to be. And, and I still want to say, uh, stay superficial here. So um, shall we just move on with cinematically heightened things from the TV show. Everything does look a lot better, obviously. Oh, yeah, that. 
Um, I, I know in the few episodes we did with the TV show, I just I kept trying to scream MK awesome at you. Yes, and, and this movie it actually makes sense now. This, that's the thing. I wanted the movie. We're talking about the show. I'm like, let's cut ahead. Let's get straight to the movie. But here we get that full on trippy mind control vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get loads of it. We get trigger words and, and shut down and all of this stuff. Was it was it J pop or Ma- I guess it was Mandarin pop that got her going. Yeah, it was. It reminded me of when you see an Asian advert in like The Simpsons or Futurama. <laughs> Oh, oh, Mr. Bubble, yes. I, yeah. I, oh, do I, I might still have in America. I think I have a Mr. Bubble t-shirt. That's pretty dope. I, I almost wore Fing Fang Foom today, but I wanted to match my socks with my shirt, so. No. Yeah, it's an audio medium anyway, so. It is, worry. it is. You don't care, but I wanted to wear my Fing Fang Foom t-shirt. So. No, I thought you said, I wonder where, but I was like, didn't you just buy I, that? I wanted. I did. Yeah. I bought it last week. <laughs> okay. Uh, other heightened things. Um. Yeah, just all uh, we get we get River's mind a lot more. We never that's what we never got in the TV show. We never actually got insight into what's going on in, in Yeah, her it was mind. all just her expression. It was all just It's all by actress. inference. Yeah. Here they send you straight in several times. She's almost for a lot of it the point of view character. Yeah. Okay. I feel I'd, say, like, I'd say for the first half it's her and the second half it's Mal. Okay. I, I still... Mm, I, I want, I'm going to go Mal with the whole thing, but I see Because even in the earlier scenes when he's trying to ditch them, you're mostly looking at sort of River's reaction rather than Mal actually doing it. Yeah. And she did swallow that bug. She did swallow a bug. Yeah. Just I made a note, so... <laughs> I swallowed a bug today. There are lots of bugs. I went hiking today and there are lots of bugs on the mountain and I think I swallowed a bug too. I haven't swallowed one for a while, but You're lucky. I did get really spooked by a spider the other day. All right. And then it accidentally killed itself. <laughs> <laughs> I got more in the ear. And not spiders, bugs, but... <laughs> I was vacuuming, and it just slowly walked up to the vacuum until it got sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you want to know the one thing that did really bug me is... Oh, nice segue. I hate jump cuts. Rivers' memories and mind trips have jump cuts galore, and I hate jump cuts. Uh, you and I were talking about doing a Halloween episode, and you say alien, and I agreed with you at the end, but I pushed Event Horizon. And one of the main reasons I didn't is because I hate jump cuts. <laughs> <laughs> is it because they make you jump, or just because you think they're cheap? Both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they make me jump, and then I think they're cheap. But... There's two ways in a film you can show mind control. Jump cuts or wavy picture-in-picture stuff. That's a Zoolander approach. We're going to call that the Zoolander approach. (laughs) I love the Zoolander approach. I love it too, but it doesn't really work in serious films anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to move on to through their journey. Do you want to talk about uh, dead people on the ship, hanging out on Miranda, or Mr. Universe? I think we should talk about, yeah, the guest cast first. So, Mr. Universe, and in a way... Shepard Bush and Inara in this kind of feel... Like cameos? Yeah. I finished your sentence. Bush especially. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that kind of works because like you said, at the start, it's like in the TV show, they had to introduce all of these regulars. Whereas because the film is a one-off thing, they can treat him as a character who's on this planet and this plot point Mm. and doesn't have to be arbitrarily dragged around with the others. Right. And, And he had like, what was he on screen for three minutes? Yeah, but it worked. He was oh, he had like a big super run. impact. Yeah. Uh, he spit blood, made a death rattle, all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got to Obi Wan very well for us. <laughs> he 
He went down more like a bitch, though, didn't he? Yeah, but I mean, what I mean is we got... I'm just first saying, we got the scene of him giving some advice, then he's dead to give them some impetus. Yeah, I'm just saying Obi-Wan chose his fate. Oh, I thought it. you were... Okay, yeah. Wait, which one's the bitch? Book. Okay. Because he got a blaster. Where Obi-Wan was doing fine against Vader and just quit. We've called him three different names because you called him Brock in your intro. Oops. I've been calling him Butch. <laughs> He's a book. book. He's I a book. I was trying to figure out who you guys were talking about. Read the book. Read the book, man. Right. Watch the Subtle. movie. <laughs> Read the book. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go back and not edit all of those references in the book. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Or, or, here we go. Here we go. It's fine. Just leave this bit. I got it. I got it. Book. Book. I'll what? put one of those in the past, but I, you know what? I'm not going to. It's just, it's just, it's all shits and giggles. <laughs> so anyway, Shepard Bart is. Um... <laughs> I love it. If the actor's live, I love you. If he's not, I still love you. You did a great job. Sorry, we're screwing your name up. <laughs> Fairly sure he is in fact dead. So this just became very disrespectful. Into the afterlife, man, you did a fantastic job. It was recent, too, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 I think so. I feel like I saw the news, okay. R.I.P. Anyway, all the Tom Fuller is us. He did a great job in this movie and the TV show. Yeah, and I think any more of that character, if he had been on the ship the whole time or anything, would have felt superfluous. Yeah. His role here worked really well. Inara, though, she, she did stuff in the TV show from time to time. Here, she's basically... Almost a damsel in distress. She's got smart. She sends code, right? But yeah, she doesn't first, do that much. If she just had that bit and either they'd not gone to rescue her because they'd understood the code or they'd gone, they'd had the little confrontation and left, it's fine. But after that scene, she's then on the ship and does nothing for the rest of the film. Yeah, she's just there. To me, she just feels like the, uh, the love interest that just needs to be in the film. But she wasn't, she wasn't quite a love interest in... I mean, she was, but she wasn't in the TV show. Yeah. I, I guess what Shen... Do you just mean, like, someone at the studio was like, no, no, there needs to be a love interest because that's what <laughs> yeah, people that, want to see that, in their films. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right? Like, it felt like that to me for this film. I can see that. But I feel like it would have worked better if she'd had about as much time as has book. Yeah. If he'd gone and seen her on the planet and then not taken her with him. Because yeah. in the TV show, she had a character. Right. Well, you don't really see any of it in this. So, again, I, I, we're going to call this a great movie, but they did drop the ball a bit with her. Well, I guess the problem is she's there because this is a sequel to the TV show. She doesn't really have a role in this movie. That's fine if it's a TV show and there can be episodes where she doesn't have a big role. Well, she, she does. she shoehorned in here. She gives the code to Mal, who shows up hearing the code and getting the information from the operative, which, you know, helps them get to go on their next step. She... Yeah, she, for that scene, she has a point in the plot. But. So Inara pushes them along plot-wise, where uh, Bushki <laughs> pushes them along like philosophically like. Yeah, he's there wise. for character purposes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm complaining. I don't have a problem with her role in the film, I guess. I just... <laughs> so do you want to talk about Wash with a, with a joke in the back of your mind, or seriously? Seriously, actually. Because mm. me and you have talked before about Wash's death. And I remembered from my first time watching this film that it felt pointless and gratuitous. Okay. So actually watching it this time and seeing... I think I'd imagined it coming later in the film than it does. Mm. It actually makes perfect sense because you then have the whole siege 
and you feel like one of them can die. Yeah. Well, I guess the whole point is, uh, if you want to get in deeper, I want to, I want to get into the, the more serious point at this point. Go on. Are you down for that? Always down for that. You want to hear some music? Makes sense. Okay, here it goes. Okay, we're going to get deeper into this flick now, and uh, I, I guess Wash is the key, because he was our fun-loving favorite dude on a TV show. He's our fun-loving favorite dude, you know, on the side of this thing, until he takes a spike through the chest. Yep. That's how you create drama. You kill comedy. But, you know, most things don't do this. I mean, you bring back an IP, a property, you don't just, like so undramatically just off here one of your main characters i'm not saying it's not effective here i'm just saying people didn't do it before this yeah yeah yeah. i mean not just things that are existing ips generally it didn't <laughs> happen death scenes were big old death scenes like, like you know let's, we want to talk x-men let's go dark phoenix not the movie with the comic book you know jean gray seems to be dead she's got these new powers you go through a few adventures and she gets creepy and then it turns into this thing and she dies there was a three-year build-up there yes here wash is happy good he's gonna pilot he's a master he's gonna show the best of his skills he does that and then he takes a spike through the chest i guess in a sense he got his big moment he did right he, before his death he did so his thing he showed that he yeah. is a master pilot yes but then yeah it's a very sudden and for that reason more affecting death and uh, I also want to get into, you know, he's obviously, you know, kind of Mal's buddy, but he's not his blood mate. He didn't fight with him. He wasn't in the war, which right. seems to be. Yeah. Well, Same the way. only one who is, is Zoe, right? That's right. Uh, yes. Yeah. And <laughs> there's obviously, she's the only one who is ever allowed to talk back to him. Mm. Through both the film and the series. Right. She gets away with what no one else does. Like... In the end, this is affecting her. This is killing. Like, when right. she has to yes. be the shield for Mal, you know, she's being wounded at her worst. Yes. So, yeah, she's the one who is a character. Wash is... A tool. A tool to give her character. <laughs> Which, to be fair, usually it's the other way around in a male-female relationship. Especially with Joss Whedon. Yes. <laughs> so... I mean, he's not quite Christopher Nolan. But. No, but I, I guess it was nice... Not nice, but uh, insightful for him, because... Let, let's look at it. What if Zoe had taken the spike through the chest and Wash had to, had to have a be a man? man. Does that yeah. make... that that What does that make? That makes a worse movie. Yeah, it makes a very generic movie in a way. Yeah, so let's, let's uh, look... Because everyone hates the fact that Wash got killed. Everyone loves him. Yes, but again, watching it last night, it made so much sense in a film. I put in my notes, though, what has Alan Tudyk done since? I mean, he's done stuff, right? Transformers 3. There we go. There's one. Is that it? Yeah, that's the it? one I remember. Crap, I was, I was kind of hoping you were going to bounce me to a more positive place, because I feel like I've seen him in something groovy. Probably. Oh, he was... This, I don't know if this is before or after. He's in Dodgeball. I like he's Dodgeball. Pirate Steve. I do like Dodgeball. I, I was yeah, trying I, to... I guess he generally does do more comedy roles. Yeah. Makes sense. I, I, I think he's done some voice acting of note. 
Yeah, because I see, I do see his name around. Yeah, but I can't, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, the point being, Wash actually is the best person on the crew to off, even though nobody likes it. Yeah, definitely. Because um, our, our um, Kay- Kaylee comes across too derpy in this movie. She's pretty one note. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like she's here because she was in the show, like Inara. Yeah. She gets a little bored because she's the engineer, but well, not and much. Well, how we get the conclusion to sort of the... Over the show, there was the tease of the relationship between her and Simon. Well, she just wants to get something twixt or nether. Yeah, but, you know, can't blame her for that. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a payoff of something which Was that lie in up. the show? That's in the film. It's in the film, I know. Is it in the show? I don't know. Because it's definitely stuck in my mind from 2005. It seems like everything's stuck in your mind from the film because you, you don't remember anything from the show. That's why we're doing a sci-fi sanctuary here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now let's look at the creation of the reverse because that is the most serious element in this film. Um, so if we're taking... Obviously, Firefly is a Wild West set in space. And you've got... Obviously, there's the Civil War parallel in the war with the Browncoats being the, the South and what have you. The only way the Reavers fit into that is they're the Native Americans. I'm which at sure. first is, you think, that's shitty. But then the twist here is the only reason they're like that is because they were fucked over by the Alliance. Which kind of is, if they are filling that role in the Western, you know, tropes, then it's saying, you know, any monstrousness or villainousness that people saw in native peoples was only because they'd been fucked over by the Europeans. I have a slightly different view. Now, now I do dig yours. I'm thinking about it, but I, I've been hardcoring Asimov recently. Okay. So I get the foundation in the galactic empire where all these worlds are colonized. Sort of like um, it's clear that the Serenity universe has, Firefly universe, whatever you want to call it, has at least completely colonized a new solar system. Yes. And this movie actually says it's a solar system, which... Yeah, I we think talked about before. We did, we and I sure. think it's because of the movie, but it makes a whole lot more sense if they're in several. <laughs> but um, the Just point a is... a real big solar system. Yeah, a real big one. Well, the no, po- the, I think the most of them are not planets, they're moons, right? Because you said it has many moons. Right, so. but yeah. there are some planets. But yeah. anyway, the point is, in, in Asimov, humanity is stretched out. I actually forgotten about Earth, like in this universe. Mm. But has uh, colonized like 50 million worlds or something. Yeah. Something insane. And many of them occasionally drift off the map, get forgotten about. And I feel like Miranda fits in that thing. Like maybe maybe the Alliance government sort of discovered it mm-hmm. as a, a failure, uh, something to be forgotten about. Like there would be other forgotten colonies. It's, just, it's not just Miranda. It's just the fact that Miranda created this um, lethal force. I think the difference is the smaller scale, though. That may if be there is only point. twenty odd planets. Yeah, hit me on the twenty planet theory. Well, I don't know the number, but they're, <laughs> they're saying a solar system, right? Yeah, so it's they not do say that, that many planets that mm. you could just lose one. It's much more of a conspiracy in that case. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't like lose Miranda down the back of the sofa. They hit it. Here's the thing that Miranda's like kind of out of nowhere in this movie, right? But in the context of the series. It reads true in every respect. Mm. It's like an, it's like a conspiracy theory that does pan out. Right. They didn't even have the conspiracy in the TV show they have in this movie. But even with the context of the TV show, it all pans out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm willing to give Joss Whedon the credit that 
most of what is revealed or happens here was in his head when he started the TV show. And rather than doing it over several seasons, he's had to cram it all into a movie. But if he worked out here, it's pretty genius. I I think he worked out here to be perfectly honest, which is some smart idea. If I ever become a big fantasy or sci-fi writer, yeah, before I write my final book, I'll just go online and find all the fan theories, pick my favorite one. Isn't that what George Martin's doing? (laughs) Probably. Wait, George R R Martin. George R R. Sorry, I'm too much of a Beatles fan. I hit George Bush book Martin. Yeah. I, I own a copy of John Lennon's Guitar Man. I'm going to say George Martin before anything else. <laughs> okay. Um, although, just to go back to Miranda for a second, it did the dumbest sci-fi thing where it imagined, like, solar systems are a flat plane. They are. But they could just go down, under, and up again. They don't have to go through the little reefer space. That is true. Okay. That's you the can whole go, reason. Uh, I'll go right back to Asimov. When they go to a new solar system, they fly above the plane, check it out, and then decide where they need to go. So yeah. maybe Serenity should have done that. I mean, did they not watch Wrath of Khan? No, they lost it. Things are lost uh, in this okay, universe. Yeah, they got yeah. Chinese. That was lost on Earth. They was. got Chinese. They don't have the Wrath of Khan. Uh, okay. They don't have those awesome wrist communicators. No. They have, that, there's a lot of tech they don't have, but that's just sci-fi. That's one they should have gotten. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I do want to just dig a bit more into here and, and look at what the Alliance is. Um, this movie, they, the Alliance does some pretty raw things. We see it. Yes. But are they doing a force for progression, for evolution, or are they a caustic, acidic uh, being? It should, like, is it, like, do people need to know all of the truth? Is Miranda something people should actually not know? Because now they do. Well, obviously, Mao's argument was they will try it again. That's my argument, too. Yeah. I'm just, like, saying, like, in general, this universe seems, you know, Mao, maybe he's not doing so well, but in okay, 80% of this universe is doing well, and 20% is doing horribly, and living in communes like Haven. Yeah, we don't see huge amounts of... I mean, we see people suffering, but they're suffering because, you know, they're struggling to get by. We don't see, like, boots stomping and... The Alliance does not brown... uh, Not brown coat. Does not um, brown shirt, which is the the SS version. Yeah, (laughs) we don't see any of that. So it's bringing down the Alliance, which is trying to, for the most part, help people isn't like inherently stopping an evil empire sort of victory. But the Alliance still does some horrible things, right? Right. So, but is it justified? I'm going to say no. Cause I'm I not think... saying their specific actions are justified. But it never gives a compelling argument for why there shouldn't be an Alliance. So they would say the ends justify the means, whereas the, our, our buddies on Serenity would suggest that's not the case. But they go do crimes because they need to make money. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very... I'm definitely all for transparency, so I do think Mao was right in this film. No, of course, mean, we want to associate with that point of view. But does it mean that I think he was right to volunteer on the side of the war he did? But are you too sentimental? Am I too sentimental? Is he too sentimental? Is sentimental bad? I'm going to say no, because I think at the base, you don't do bad to another person. Yeah. Which almost sound like a outline. <laughs> yeah. You don't do bad to that's, me and mine. That's definitely some Buffy right in there. Just no. 
No, no it's mean, a bad thing. <laughs> no, that's how we roll, and that's how I think people should roll. But you and I are living as, you know, individual people. Does that change when we get to large amounts of people, or do we keep our well, morals in any case? That That is the, uh, the Mal versus Alliance uh, vibration here. It's the, the classic Stalin line, right? Yeah. <laughs> one, one death is a... One death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Right. So you and I are with Mal, but maybe we shouldn't be. I don't know. Come, come make us, come make us, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Overly. Reflect? Not reflective. Reflective Over-examine? Not over-examine. That can lead to good. I don't know. Overdose? Don't make, are we bleeding hearts or are we not? I don't know. But we're going to, I guess we're assuming we're bleeding hearts here. Yeah, we're sissy liberal globalist cucks. <laughs> noticed is that with Firefly, one of the main themes was the freedom of the crew, the crew being free to do what they want. And in this, in Serenity, I noticed it wasn't such a big thing. Like, there was the freedom to, like, stay away, like, freedom as in, like, staying away from authority because they're running from them, but not necessarily the freedom to just be their own people and explore space and do what they want. Yeah, they didn't have... Maybe it's just because, for the whole film, stakes are high. Yeah. But there was never the happy-go-lucky... You never saw what they were fighting for. Yeah. They were fighting for this vague concept of freedom, and that was enough. Didn't have to see the what life they wanted. And that's, that's, that's one of the things that mainly stood out to me in this movie, compared to Firefly, the TV show. Which do you prefer? I like them both, but I prefer the TV show. I see, because me and Matt are definitely in the we prefer the movie camp. But I need to finish watching the TV show again. I need to been, watch it it's again. It's been years. Yeah. So we'll do that. This is the end game. The end game about Serenity. Actually, he didn't get to direct end game. He just did the first two. I just wanted to say end game. That's all. I know <laughs> that. Um, I, 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 before we go full on, I just wanted to get through the notes I saw where um, River does occasionally get her Doc Martens. Doc yes, Martin very cool. Yeah, that's cool. So that might be all of it. That's actually I mean, all I want to get to. The other one I didn't want to get to. So yeah, she got some shoes in the end. In the end game. Yep. I mean... <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and try and make a argument that boots are just as bad as bare feet. Are they not, are they not Doc Martens? No, no, no. It's going to try and be like, yeah, but in a way, putting her in Doc Martens is just as fetishizing as putting her in bare feet. There's glass I was just going to be a douche. There's glass on the street, man. I'm not saying I believe what I was saying. I just like right. saying these things. Right. You need a good pair of shoes. No, what I need is someone here who gets annoyed when I say these things. I, always, I know that you know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always bought Converse myself. I didn't buy a Doc Martens. I love some Doc Martens, but they're overpriced. You can they get are. That's why I love the Converse. The Converse are overpriced in yeah, Japan, though. If you're wearing Converse, they're not even going to help when you step on glass. Well, it's a little rubber between you and your 
flesh. There's actually cardboard in there. Really? Yeah. That's... So it's good River God or Doc Martin. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, this movie's 2005. We're here in 2019. I'm going to say it's holding up pretty well. Yeah, very much. So since Firefly or Serenity even, has there been another good new space opera? How do we rate Battlestar here? Is it the same time? Is it later? About the same? I mean, it's technically later. Similar. It's similar. But also, is it new? I know it's very Oh, because they did the old property, right? Yeah. I would say they put enough new into their concept that we're going to count that as new. But but it did start about this time. And and it didn't really change gears in that time except for a few, uh, you know, Indian drones and... Mm-hmm. You know, metaphysical concepts, but... <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but since then, maybe Battlestar, but we've we've had new Star Treks, new Star Warses. They, I, lo- the I new... love the new Star Trek, new Star Wars, but they didn't break new ground, did yeah, they? Yeah, where's the new space stuff? Did you watch The Expanse? Ah, uh, no, I haven't, and I've heard that's good. I haven't either, and I'm bringing it up for that point. <laughs> our, yeah, our colleague Rob is... Okay, <laughs> in cinema, when was the last... Good new space thing. Interstellar. Yeah, but that's that's very only just removed from modern day, right? It's very NASA, very. It is, but I that, wouldn't call it a space opera. Mm, I gotta call that space opera. Yeah. But but it, it is riffing off two thousand one. We're gonna give it that. And it's it's like one spaceship in the whole film. <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to pull you off of Serenity yeah. being a full on awesome, you know, innovative space yeah. opera. Yeah. Could you imagine is. the? Interstellar expanded universe. Okay, you gotta say. I love Interstellar, <laughs> but it it, it, it doesn't stand next to Star Trek, Star Wars. You you want to make a universe out? Yeah. Whereas so. I feel Firefly does have that. Yeah. It builds a very good world. Okay. So other oh. than that, I think yeah. So books and TV, you've got Expanse and stuff. Video games do it. Did MCU build enough? It's got oh, it's got yeah, galactic got stuff now. And stuff. Yeah. I we guess got, that is where it is now. We got yeah. Cree. We got Scrawl showing up. I guess that is where the current new space opera is happening, isn't it? It's but like it has Marvel. no hard sci-fi. Yeah. Serenity's not quite hard sci-fi, but it's enough that you at least can think about it. Whereas MCU is definitely not hard, yeah, hard it, sci-fi. Well, yeah, I would say Firefly, in terms of its sci-fi, leans more Trek, and MCU definitely means more Wars. Yeah. So I guess we're looking or we're calling this a really great movie and just uh, trying to weigh its cultural value at this point. Oh, I mean, it... I mean, it was definitely a springboard for Joss Whedon. Oh, yeah. Who went on to do... Well, he did Avengers, the biggest film in the world at the time well, he came a, out. Well, as J.J. Abrams did Star Trek as his demo reel for uh, Star Wars, yeah, I by assume that Joss Whedon stuff. did this as his demo reel for uh, Avengers, although there are enough years in the yeah, interim that wasn't... Yeah, there's a big gap. It was like 2011? Yeah, that's right. It's, not, it's 12, I think. But it's not, it's not straight, like, bang, bang. Abrams sort of was like, bang, bang. Trek, yes. Star Wars, whereas, but, 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 but the people that, uh, you know, hired him to do Avengers were definitely looking at this. <laughs> yes. And well, Aven- it, it brings together an existing <clears throat> cast, introduces them very quickly, <laughs> gives everyone at least some small journey to go on. It brings them together for a big battle at the end, which is all the things they wanted from an Avengers movie. You've got to bring these characters who already exist, introduce them for a new audience just in case. Give them a journey, bring them together for a battle at the end. Well, you made a better case than I was going <laughs> to. <laughs> what was yours going to be? Something more incoherent. 
That's what we come to you for, Matt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we're wrapping up because, uh, well, before we get quite to that, do you want to, are there any messages in this film worth noting? One thing I know is it kind of, it pretty much drops the South Will Rise message from the TV show. I know obviously it doesn't remove that backstory. In my but notes, it feels I... much more like we're fighting the power okay. in a more modern way. Just the power, like yeah. the, the oppression. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there were two sides anymore. Okay. It feels like, oh, this is the power and we're the plucky rebels. Okay, because somewhere a... in my notes I did write at least once more, yeehaw, South Rise again. Oh, of course, it, they're still, they are Southern voiced characters, but it doesn't have that Civil War vibe so much anymore. So the movie makes it more universal. Yeah. That's probably why I like it better. It doesn't... I, I, there's nothing wrong with Westerns, but I'm, just, I'm not into Westerns and Firefly well, see, pushing the Western. This when doesn't. I'm into Westerns is when they go really hard into Westerns. Mm. I want all the cheesy lines. I want the showdown with the music. I want the tumbleweed. You I want, want the hard Sergio tough Sergio Leone. Yeah. Okay. If you're not giving me that, don't bother giving me a Western. <laughs> Running way off the topic, how do you feel about The Unforgiven? Which one's this? Clint Eastwood directed, starred. Oh, is that was his, that his first directed? It might be. Anyone well, when did it come out? Is it uh, ninety one? Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Isn't just it? I don't like Westerns, but I do like that, and and that has no, I, none of the things you just said. But <laughs> I watched that because I like Clint Eastwood directed movies. So Clint's doing it for me, maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Because I, I on the surface I was like, yeah, that sounds right, but I was like, wow, I like but, Unforgiven. I mean, if in this millennium you're going to bring out a western. You've got to either have a lot to say or just give me the cheese. I think the only Western I've seen in this century has been Django Unchained. The only one I've seen is the tale of the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, Serenity has dropped most of the Western and is uh, this is definitely a way more sci-fi thing than I think uh, Firefly ever did. (laughs) I mean, kind of proves that Firefly was just doing it for budgetary reasons then. Yeah, it's probably true. (laughs) Okay, um... We're, I think we're wrapping up here, so do you want to wrap about any uh, social media sort of connections? I mean, you can find us on Twitter at MLSFSpod. Yes. You can find me on Twitter at Buskalily. It's a nonsense word. I made it up when I was a child. I still shout it sometimes. Matt's not on social media because he's old. <laughs> I'm on social media. I just don't feel like talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> he just lurks. Ice he just lurks. likes... Female actresses' pictures. <laughs> Rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. I make music, and that's what I want you to hear. And this. I want you to hear this, too. But They kind of already have at this point. I blast this podcast with that music, yes. If, no, but, I mean, they've heard this. Right. I what if they fast-forwarded to this bit? What a weird thing to do. I don't want to hear the podcast. I just want to hear the plugs at the end. All right. Plugs. Some people with the plugs at the beginning, they might get confused. Yeah, people, people who put the plugs at the beginning should be lined up against a wall and shot. Yeah, when boner pill sponsors were put at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Matt, do you need a new mattress? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I do. It's sat on what I sleep on, and it's a tiny little futon. And with no endorsements whatsoever, this has been Matt. This has been Luke. And this has been the Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Shane, you want to say bye? Bye. Bye. Laters.
outtake, but it's like a really obvious one because they're recording it as an outtake, so go for it. So the doctor, right? He's like, he's the nerd, he's the weedy guy, he can't fight like the others, he's the dweeb. He's fucking ripped. We see him shirtless and he's buff as hell. And then like Mal as well. You look at his face and he's got kind of like a he used to be a fat guy face. But he's ripped and jacked and stacked and putting up racks. Like why is it a movie thing? Is this the Chris Pratt in Guardians thing? If you're the leading man in a film, you have to have 0% body fat, muscles of X size and a shirtless scene. Because I swear, there's no way those two actors were in that shape when they were filming the TV show. That's, that's not the shape you maintain. That's the shape you get put into for your shirtless scene. And then it's undone. I don't... Within the context of the film, there's no reason they have to be this buff. It's just that is how men in Hollywood films look. I'm not ripped, but I used to be a fat guy. Do I have a fat guy face? No, but that's why I can't imagine you as a fat guy. When you tell me you used to be a fat guy, I can't see it. I see Chris Pratt's uh, skinny Chris Pratt. I didn't watch Parks and Recreation much, though. He's still got a bit of a baby face. Oh, okay. But no, no, you got, you got quite a like, chiseled jawline and everything. Nah, I didn't see a jawline until I lost some weight. <laughs> see, because I got the impression you were thin and then got fat and then thin again. Right. But I but, didn't have jawline because I was like 17. No, but I think it's when you're fat as a kid... Then you get the baby face. Oh, that's the Pratt face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Mal face. Oh, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan is so cut, but he's got such a chubby baby face. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just genetics. Maybe just some people have fat faces. Next maybe I'm time, Jackie... Ch- we don't do that yet. Transformers. Maybe that. Does Jackie Chan do any sci-fi? He does. That's the one where he's got the, the tuxedo. The, that's called the tuxedo. Yeah. Next time, the tuxedo. No, that's not right. Just listen next time. It won't be a tuxedo, most likely.